You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Umbody. With me, Sonny Ship, to break down a fun edition of the podcast with the top five running backs from the 1900s to 99 and then the 2000s to 2019 is Sonny Ship. But we'll get to that in a minute. Sonny, how are you? How's quarantine life? How's the kids? Good, man. Everything's going, uh, you know, everybody's staying healthy. So that's the main thing. Uh, and, and I think we're, let's see, either this, yeah, next week would be their official last week of school. So I guess this is our last week of, uh, of having to homeschool. And, you know, for some of my, uh, I know that there's some, some people back in Pineville who will be listening to this podcast. And if you happen to be one of my former teachers, Yes, your worst nightmare came true. I was responsible for teaching my children over these last few weeks. Well, uh, I'm sure they're just so much better off with you and uh, as a teacher, and there's no possible way they're going to have to repeat a grade, right? Dude, thir- my, my son is in third grade, and, and he's asking me questions about geometry. And I'm like, oh, geometry was the absolute worst. You know, geometry was worse for me than algebra was. And those two were kind of hand in hand. And I'm a numbers guy. I'm a math guy. You know, I, I like math and stuff. I love ma- messing around with statistics and things like that. But he's asking me about shapes and, you know, what's what has eight sides and things like that. And I'm just constantly hitting Google to where finally he's like, just Google it, Dad. Just Google it. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, not a big geometry guy. I, the sciences would have really, really thrown me for a loop having to teach those. But I was good in history, decent enough in, in English. Uh, but, man, I I could not imagine having to teach my kids, like, so, the sciences especially. That's where I would really, really be uh, up, a, up a certain creek without a paddle. Yeah. And, and I, and I was just, I was just, I mean, I was just flabbergasted. I was like, are they really teaching y'all geometry in third grade? I mean, you know, this is, this is granted third grade for me was a long, long, long time ago, many moons ago, but I don't remember doing geometry in third grade. You know, I still remember, uh, you know, doing the addition and the subtraction and, and learning how to actually check your work and things like that to where, the amount of stuff that they're teaching these kids, these kids uh, right now in school is just, it's just beyond me. Please, please, please find a vaccine and get some, get some medicine that works so these kids can get back in school in September. Do you, are they, are they working harder? Would you say like, cause we work from home. So we, we're kind of used to this, but do you feel like they're doing a little bit better of a job working from home a lot? So, I get kind of 50, 50. Like when we're talking to recruits, some are like, Oh man, I love it. I, I wrapped up all my assignments on Monday and Tuesday, and now I've got the whole week to work out and do whatever I want. How are, how are they doing uh, in terms of staying on task? Well, my wife, my wife is a, my wife is a, is a kindergarten teacher. She's also taught first grade. So, so she has, so she has that, that part of, I guess that regimen 
you know, kind of enrooted in, in, in her lifestyle and stuff to whereas with me, completely opposite. But, uh, you know, she's been having to teach her class and stuff. So I've kind of taken on a little bit more of a role of, of helping ours, of helping our kids with their schoolwork. And they've been good about it. They've been good about it. Because the amount of work that uh, that the teachers send over, I think is probably less of a workload because my son, he could sit down and what we do is, you know, they send him like math, reading, language, science, social studies, uh, and then I think grammar. So they send six lessons and something to do each day. But we do what what we do with him is we'll take two subjects a day. You know, he'll knock out math and he'll knock out reading probably in about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And, um, you know, and, and so that's the hard part. <laughs> the hard part is, is, you know, they, they are in school for, you know, a seven hour work day. Well, they finish here in an hour, an hour and a half. And they're like, all right, I don't have anything else to do. I want to go play. So trying to get them to read or to actually do something constructive is, uh, you know, is, is really the uphill battle. But our kids, you know, my son, he's outside practicing soccer, you know, throwing the football up in the air. They're riding their bikes and things like that. So they're getting the physical exercise of it. But I think from the from the educational standpoint that it's a lot less time consuming for them to do it from home. Yeah. And, and, and that makes a lot of sense. You got to move class, move from class to class or whatever. But, um, look, I mean, only another week before you can't hold that, uh, whole, you know, moving, moving on to the next grade or being held back, uh, over their head to get them, uh, to do work. So, uh, good luck trying to get them to do anything this summer, uh, <laughs> once they're, once they're done with school, but I feel like we should, we should hop on into, uh, what we've got to talk about. We've been, wanting to do this for a while, but really with commits and the draft and everything like that, we've just kind of put it off, but this is going to be a fun one, a good trip down memory lane for a lot of people. And that's starting with the top five running backs in LSU history uh, from the 1900s. Uh, we're going to dive into those guys first, and then we'll dive into the two thousands uh, after that. Sonny, starting with Terry Rubisky, he's one of, uh, he's number five on your list. But before we do that, just quickly share the the other guys on the list. Cause you did do 10 when you wrote this on uh, go 24 seven. Yeah. And, and, and one thing, one thing I did in, in, in looking at this is I wanted to, I wanted to expose as many of the um, you know, of some former tigers that maybe some of our younger generations haven't, uh, you know, haven't heard much of, aren't really familiar with. And so in trying, in trying to do that, I've kind of had to, uh, to take a little bit of a different path. So for instance, you're not going to hear when we move on to the two thousands, you're not going to hear Jacob Hester's name. You're not going to hear Clyde Edwards Hilaire's name. You're not going to hear Steve Van Buren, who is in the NFL hall of fame, you're not going to hear Jerry Stovall in this edition because those guys are going to be slotted to other positions. You know, I, I, I wanted to do uh, wanted to do some athletes, wanted to do some all-purpose players, uh, some return players to really get as many of these guys, uh, you know, show them a little bit of love and introduce as many as we could. But started at number ten. This was a guy, Art Cantrell, played from 1969 to 1971. Uh, you know, one of the some of the funny stories from talking to my uh, to my grandfather and, and my dad, who who 
gave me a little uh, a little history lesson on some of these guys. This was the type of the, this was the type of guy that if you remember uh, Dazed and Confused, where the guys uh, you know the guys had mustaches back in the back in the seventies in school, the uh, you know the bell bottom jeans, everything, and, and just just hell on wheels basically. And that's what Art Cantrell was. The stories of, of multiple police officers getting calls that well, Art Cantrell's up at it again at the local bar, having to go get him and and, and just the pick you know you can just picture the coach out there in the park and like, damn it, I told you not to do this again. <laughs> but a guy who ran for 1600 yards, nine rushing touchdowns, which was good back then. You know, this, this was good back then. He was a, uh, you know, he, he cracked number 10. And then of course, Eddie Fuller, number nine, we all remember Eddie Fuller from the earthquake game against Auburn caught the touchdown pass from Tommy Hodson that, uh, that set off the earthquake ran for 1800 yards and nine touchdowns caught 75 balls for almost another 900 yards, former Leesville native. And then number eight was Harvey Williams, you know, probably one of the better recruiting stories before recruiting really took off. Uh, you know, was, was all set to sign with Texas A&M going to walking to his announcement in the gym. He decided that, you know, he was going to flip the script and sign with LSU Knee injuries kept him from, uh, you know, from really being uh, that elite back that he was rated coming out of high school. He still ran for almost 2,900 yards and, and still sits fourth on the list of all-time leading rushers in school history. So, uh, you know, so not bad, right? Not bad right there. Gary James, probably next to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, one of the best receiving running backs in LSU history, played with a uh, team with Dalton Hilliard, the, the – um, they called him the uh, Dalton James gang, 1982 to 85. You know, they formed one of the best one-two punches in school history. 2,200 yards, almost 1,000 yards receiving, 122 catches. Just a, uh, you know, just a fantastic duo. The number six, a guy named Brad Davis, um, you know, People remember him, and I know you've seen this before, but the night that time stood still in Tiger Stadium when Burt Jones got off two passes, and, uh, and, and I believe it was a, uh, a four-second – I believe it was in four seconds. They were shocked that there was time left on the clock. And Brad Davis caught the winning touchdown pass against Ole, against Ole Miss, and ironically, that was, the only, that was his only catch during his career. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was, that was one of two touchdown catches during his career and, um, you know, ran for 2,200 yards, 16 touchdowns, just a, uh, you know, just, just one of the, one of those guys that if you watched LSU football during the seventies, you knew of Burt Jones, you definitely knew of Brad Davis too. So that's, yeah. that's, that's the, that's the six who sat outside of our top five. So that way, when people are listening to this, now they know like, oh, okay, Billy and Sonny's not drunk at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Friday <laughs> because they forgot well, all these players. <laughs> well, well, we're not, not as drunk as uh, Ole Miss fans leaving Tiger stadium after that, after that game, because uh, they probably were thinking, what on earth am I seeing? That can't possibly be a, a time clock operator. That was uh, sober doing that one. Right. Little, little home cooking there. Yeah, and they laughed. You know, they laughed. They said uh, there that there were uh, you know you, the stories that you heard about signs saying you're leaving. You're now leaving Louisiana. 
uh, set your clocks up, you set your watches up because, you know, <laughs> just a, uh, just, uh, you know, that, that, that's one of those that, you know, LSU doesn't really have that, that um that traditional rivalry game i guess you could say you know i think lsu texas a&m has a chance to be that but you know the lsu arkansas you know battle for the golden boot i mean that that was just ridiculous and it failed miserably as trying to create that as a rivalry but back in the day lsu and Ole miss i mean it was that true rivalry you know that that there's so many great games of course billy cannon in the run we all know about that but, um, you know, Ole Miss coming in, stealing Archie Manning out of, out of LSU's backyard. And there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of history between those two teams. And, and doing something like this, it really takes you back down that lane, that memory lane of being able to see, you know, some of those, some of those stories that were even a little before my time, if you, if you can believe that. That's probably the most shocking thing about this, but um, <laughs> let, let, let's jump into Terry Rubisky. He's gone on to be a longtime NFL coach. Uh, I'm honestly one of the most well-respected NFL assistants, but before that, uh, he had an incredible career for the Tigers in the 70s as well. Yeah, you know, in in, uh, in 76, he was the first Tiger to rush for over 1,000 yards in a season and uh, the first to top 200 yards in a game, and that was in 1976. Uh, kind of crazy when you look at now that, you know, all of the gaudy numbers that guys are putting up and stuff. But, uh, you know, he, he, he's had a history of coaching with your team, with the Redskins and stuff, 30 years and an NFL assistant. But uh, he became the first back in school history to top 2,500 yards in a career. And, uh, and, you know, really just kind of, uh, you know, I think he's one of those guys that, that, that paved the way to, uh, you know, to the run on running backs that LSU had that we, you know, that we, that we saw on that. You know, after him, number four, we've got Dalton Hilliard, one of the, you know, New Orleans Saints fans love this guy. He was a smaller back coming out of Patterson, Louisiana. He and Gary James was in the same class, and Gary James was actually the highly recruited, uh, the more highly recruited guy at the top of the of the um, of the duo. And then when you go back and you look at, you know, you look at what Hilliard accomplished. I mean, you know, one of the top all around backs in SEC history, over four thousand yards and forty four touchdowns on the ground. Caught 120 passes over his career for another 1,100 yards, and and did that in sharing the workload with James. So I think that's what's truly impressive. You know, if you would have had just one of those, and you could argue, you know, that the wear and tear would have gotten gotten to him. But if those two hadn't split the hadn't wouldn't have had to split the carries. I mean, it's crazy to think about the numbers that uh, that those two could have put up. Yeah, no question. And as, as we move through this list, uh, we have somebody who's right behind Dalton Hilliard uh, in, in school rushing yardage, and that's Charles Alexander, 27 school records, 40 touchdowns. He was a workhorse and, and a Heisman Trophy finalist. And look, in the year that Joe Burrow goes to Cincinnati, where Charles Alexander was drafted in uh, 1979 in the first round, this uh, is one that we'll certainly note in a in a big way with what he was able to accomplish uh, in Baton Rouge. Yeah, you know, uh, of course, all LSU fans remember Billy Cannon winning the uh, you know winning the Heisman Trophy, and then of course Jerry Stovall. Jerry Stovall was up there. He was in the uh, you know he he was 
very thick in the race for that at one time as well. But Charles Alexander set 27 school records, you know, 40 touchdowns. This dude toted the ball 855 times during his career. I mean, can you imagine the wear and tear that that, that, that put on his body and, and, and to compare, to compare running backs then to running backs now, if you've got a running back that's got 855 carries right now, he's probably not going to go 12th overall in the NFL draft like Alexander did. You know, they're going to dock him for that. But, you know, got a spot in the College Football Hall of Fame from the, 20, uh, from the 2012 class and just, uh, you know, just one of the, be- one of the best players – in LSU history at any position when you go through and when you look at the production that he posted. Well, and I mean, the fact that he lasted seven seasons in the NFL with the Bengals, I mean, that is even more impressive after the workload he had in, in college. Yeah. And, and probably why it, only, it was only seven seasons. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I mean, he, he did what he could uh, after uh, giving uh, it all for the Tigers with 855 carries. That is something else. Uh, Billy Cannon, number two on the list for you. And if you're an LSU fan, I mean, you probably already know his story backwards, forwards, however you want to read it. But, uh, of course, one of the uh, all-time greats for a reason and has a statue outside Tiger Stadium that's going to be joined by Joe Burrow here in the near future. Yeah, and and I know that there's some you know there's there's some old timers out there who who grew you know who who watched Billy Cannon play, saw him do the things that he did, and it's probably wonder like how could he not be number one? And I get it, trust me, I get it, you know. But choosing that number one, it, it was very tough. But with Billy Cannon, and outside of the run that we've all seen so many times, you know, we're talking about a guy at six foot one, two hundred ten pounds. Reportedly, they said he ran the 100-yard dash consistently in 9.5 seconds. I mean, that is absolutely blowing and going at that size. You know, an athlete way before his time, way before his time. The honors that he took home, of course, the Heisman Trophy, you know, every player of the year honor that you could really think of, consensus All-American, one of the, uh, you know, just just one of the best, you know, probably, I think without a doubt, the best two-way player in LSU history. There could be some, you know, Jerry Stovall's got a, uh, he, he's got an argument in there. And I, and I know there's a couple of other guys that could be in there too. But when you look at what Billy Cannon did, ended his career 1,800 yards, 19 touchdowns, rushing in only three seasons. This is when uh, true freshmen couldn't play varsity. 31 catches, 522 yards. Of course, you know, we've got the, uh, the, the punt return. And um, ironically, another one, of, another one of these fun facts, we all know about the punt return against Ole Miss for 89 yards, right? We've seen it 100 times, probably 1,000 times. That was the only punt return for a score in his career. And it came on that night. You know, when you watch that run, when you watch that run and everything, you're probably thinking like, oh, man, he probably had about three or four punt returns for touchdowns. He did return a kickoff for a touchdown, but that was his only punt return for a touchdown. What a wild, wild moment. Uh, One of the all-time great moments in LSU history. And 
we come to number one on your list of the guys from the uh, 20th century and it's LSU's current running backs coach, uh, Kevin Falk did. Uh, did you worry that if he wasn't going to be number one, that uh, K Falk might, might come after you might find you and, and let you know, Hey, I I've got to be at the top of the list. Man, I've got so many Kevin Falk stories that, you know, he played with LSU 95 to 98. He signed with LSU in 95. And, uh, you know, I still, I still remember going to his, uh, his announcement, his announcement ceremony. It was at a local, it was at a local place in, uh, in, in Lafayette. And just, you know, this guy played quarterback in high school at Karen Crow and, you know, long before the internet, long before, I mean, you know, at this point when you're a recruiting junkie, like I am, you know, you were having to call the 900 numbers. You were, you, you were circled the dates to where you could get a couple of magazines a year that, that featured recruits. Now really about the only thing that you had to go off of was the, uh, you know, you had Gatorade player of the years, you had USA today player of the years, you had a prep, um, uh, Prep Star, which was a uh, a recruiting service that issued issued a magazine, but Kevin Falk was you know he he had literally over a hundred offers. I mean anybody and everybody that you could think of offered this guy, and he played quarterback, so he took the snap and he either ran right, ran left, ran up the middle, but he was an absolute monster in high school. Got to LSU. Still the all-time leader in rushing yards in school history with 4,557 and rushing touchdowns with 46. Um, I'm not sure I'm not sure about this, but I believe he is still the SEC's all-time leader in all-purpose yards. Um, you know, and, and so, I mean, those numbers speak for themselves. But aside from what he did on the field, when Jerry Donardo was hired as uh, as LSU's coach in '95, and and LSU was in the midst, LSU was in the midst of six straight losing seasons. Uh, you know the program was just reeling, very uh, just in a in kind of in a downward spiral, and, and one that they that that the LSU program wasn't really accustomed to. And uh, Jerry Donardo came in with this slogan, bring back the magic. And, uh, the day that he would, uh, the day that he had his press conference, you know, at LSU as the new coach, he hopped in the car, drove over to Lafayette to see Kevin Falk. And I think Kevin Falk, you know, we can go back and we look at some of the biggest recruits that in program history, Leonard Fournette's in there. Obviously Joe Burrow was in there. But I think at a time when LSU's program was at one of its lowest points, Kevin Falk deciding to stay home and play at LSU really started to reverse the course that, um, you know, that, that the program was in. And so still to this day, when, when we think about, you know, who is the biggest game changer in forms of uh, the biggest impact that he had on the program – you know, Joe Burrow is up there, and it's probably tough. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any question that Kevin Falk is right there with him. And, and you could even make an argument that the that the impact and the way that he helped change the program at a at a at a uh, at a dark time was even more important than uh, than Burrow's. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you you nailed it, and it's going to be fun to see how Kevin recruits and how, how he starts to stack up 
uh, running backs for LSU and build off of signing Kevontre Bradford in, in 2020. And, and just, you know, I think he's a great fit now at running backs coach. I, I didn't get a chance to watch him as a, as a player for LSU. I remember watching him as a player for the Patriots um, just kind of growing up, but I mean, he was, he was legit. I mean, he was Brady's safety valve. He was, he was always just stacking up catches and, and uh, one of the better running backs on that Patriots team that for years just kind of had uh, could plug in any running back and be successful. But Kevin Falk is probably the, the best out of that group. And not only that, one other thing, he considered leaving LSU after his junior season and going, you know, and going to, and going off to the NFL, the, um, you know, the uh, scouts loved him. They were just, you know, they, they were, they were sky high on him. They thought that he was going to, you know, they thought that he was going to be great. He returned to LSU for his senior season. And, um, you know, so that right there is just another, is another reason while I, when I think about the impact that he had, you know, you know, unselfishly, he chose to return to school because he loved it so much when, you know, and then of course, in his senior season in 1998, LSU had a losing season. So, you know, his stock may have taken a little bit of a hit, but still, 13 years with the Patriots, five Super Bowl, uh, five Super Bowls, three rings, just a um, what a great story. And LSU's lucky to have him now in a uh, in a capacity to where he can recruit and he can share that story, that passion, and that love that he has for the school. Yeah, not bad to be flashing three Super Bowl rings around recruits. That usually helps out a good bit. There's a, there's a good number of Super Bowl champs on LSU staff now. I mean, you've got James Craig who's got one. Um, and Ogeron's got some national championship rings, not only from LSU, but USC now. So uh, some some uh, bling bling for the uh, LSU coaching staff. But uh, for now, we're going to take a quick break from the Go 24-7 podcast. On the other side of this break, we're going to come back and bring everybody kind of up to speed on the top five running backs from the 21st century so far. And uh, we'll be breaking those guys down on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, to leave us a rating, leave us a review. Tell us what you'd like to see on the uh, or here on the podcast, I should say, uh, on our uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to the podcast, you can do that in our review section as well. And also, we'd be remiss if you didn't if we didn't remind you to subscribe to go247.com. Check us out for just a dollar 
for your first month. And uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, there's a few hours left of the 60% off annual subscription sale as well. So check that out on go247.com. Sonny, a little bit more uh, recent history here with LSU in the 2000s. A lot of these guys or a couple of these guys are fantasy darlings for me on uh, the fantasy football front in the NFL, including Joseph Adai. But kicking us off at number five is Charles Scott, uh, who really uh, was one of my early favorite LSU running backs to, to watch when I was growing up, kind of watching LSU and the SEC. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it was a tough it was it was a tough call for me between Charles Scott and LeBrandon Tofield, but uh, you know I just in in the end Tofield's Tofield's injuries, uh, you know I just I couldn't I couldn't overcome those when looking at everything that Scott accomplished and man I I, I can still remember Charles Scott in that uh, from a uh, from recruiting and this was you know this is before the cell phones became even even prominent. And and calling Charles Scott and and his mom and I can't remember if it was his mom or his dad, but they said, "Yeah, we'll have we'll have him give you a call back. He's off uh, he's off messing with the pigs right now and uh, getting ready to feed them because he lived on a farm up in Jonesboro." <laughs> Man, but um, you know when you go in when you look when you look at what Charles Scott did, you know he he was the uh, the number sixty one overall prospect in the country in the twenty four seven Sports Composite. You know a lot of accolades coming out of high school, Mister Football in Louisiana, the Gatorade Player of the Year in 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 the state, and uh, ended his career as one of the most productive running backs in the twenty first century with twenty three hundred uh, rushing yards, thirty two touchdowns. Those marks are uh, fourth in school history and career touchdowns and seventh in rushing yards. Had a huge year in 2008 with 1,174 yards. Uh, it's still one of the, uh, you know, it's the 10th highest uh, single season output in LSU history. And I uh, had 18 touchdowns that year too. And, uh, you know, the only one, the only two guys with more rushing touchdowns in a season is Leonard Fournette with 22 during the 2015 season and then LeBrandon Tofield had 19 and so uh, you know that that gives you an idea of um, you know of the production that you got out of Scott his uh, senior season was cut short when he broke his collarbone against Alabama and I still remember uh, you know me, me and Shea were were up there in the press box together on that on that trip and stuff but 800 career uh, rushing eight uh, eight 100 yard career rushing games eighth in school history with that and um you know unfortunately he didn't go on to having uh, to have a successful nfl career he was taken in the sixth round of the draft but um you know overall with his time at lsu as part of a backfield that featured richard murphy and keelan scott he uh, you know he uh, i mean not keelan, keelan williams mr calf's himself he, uh, you know, Charles Scott had a good career, and um, you know that's why that's why he edged out LeBrandon Tofield for that fifth spot. Yeah, that Keelan Williams was uh, pre Sadiq Charles as far as Cavs goes. Uh, oh, he was a beast. Those, those guys, those guys got to be battling it out. Maybe, maybe bring him back to campus, get him around each other, and see see who, in fact, has the bigger calves—a calf off, um, I guess. But new feature. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, Joseph Adai, uh, who I drafted multiple times as a fantasy football player uh, early on, 
he was somebody that for Nick Saban really made a difference there uh, and ended up, of course, uh, winning a national championship. Yeah, and played in more games, uh, played in more games than any Tiger running back um, with 51, started 19, you know, a really, really solid, just a solid four-year career. Even played some fullback early on, ranked seventh in school history with 2,500 yards on the ground. His 66 catches are good for sixth place. And, um, you know, just just each year, you know, had 430 yards one year, 520 another year, 680 as a junior. Finally, as a senior, he kind of became that bell cow, finished with 911 yards despite an ankle injury that kind of slowed him down. And, uh, you know, probably – Probably more people remember him for uh, for his success with the Colts after they took him with the 30th overall pick in the first round of the 06 draft. Won a Super Bowl, made the Pro Bowl in his second year when he ran for over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns after topping 1,000 yards as a rookie. But, um, you know, got hurt and uh, only lasted six seasons in the league, but 4,500 yards, you know, that's a uh, – that's that's a pretty productive NFL career in six seasons. Hey, you know what? You hit your uh, you hit that pension. Yeah, good for Joseph and I to hit that pension. That's big. Uh, and Cincinnati uh, also drafted another LSU running back uh, in Jeremy Hill, who didn't stick around Baton Rouge long. But you got him at number three on your list uh, with his impressive yards per carry average uh, and just I mean overall he was just a beast. Yeah, you know, only appeared and only only played two seasons, left as a redshirt sophomore, had an incident in high school that uh, that kind of uh, prevented him from playing as a true freshman in uh, 2011. But he was part of that. Uh, he was part of that uh, redemptress crew that included Lael Collins. That team was absolutely loaded for uh, for now Dutchtown head coach uh, Guy Mistretta. But uh, in two seasons, Jeremy Hill ran for 2,100 yards. His 1,400 yards in, uh, in 2013, his sophomore season, is still fourth all-time in school history. And his 16 touchdowns on the ground uh, that year tied for fifth with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from the 2019 season. And for those wondering, Clyde, Edward, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's going to be mentioned with our in our all-purpose backs. So, you know, don't fret. We're going we're gonna to reward Clyde for that season that he had. But getting back to Jeremy Hill, you know, he took over as a starter in, in 2012 over the last five games, averaged five yards a carry, kind of became the um, – became the feature back the following season averaging 6.9 yards carry and the only person to average more yards a carry during their career at uh in a season at LSU is Darius Geis's 7.5 yard average in 2016 and so that you know that kind of gives you an idea that that while Hill's career was short in Baton Rouge you know, I don't think there's any question that if he would have that if he would have had the three seasons to play, as opposed to just two, that his numbers would have been a lot more impressive, and you know would have eliminated any questions that some may have of, you know, does Jeremy Hill really belong at number three on that list? And you bring up Darius Geis, our number two LSU running back in the 21st century so far. 
for me and some of our subscribers even mentioned this on the board, probably could have gone either way, little bias now that he plays for the Redskins, but I feel like guys with, with what he brought to the table as really just such an elite athlete. I mean, his physical running style, I remember that, that run down the sideline against, against Louisville where he just popped the guy. Uh, he just loves, loves, loves contact. And um, he's just a, kind of a different guy compared to Leonard Fournette, where Leonard is just, was just such a man just as soon as he walked on campus. And I mean, there's, there's probably an argument for Darius guys to be number one, but you had him at number two. I've never seen a more vicious runner than Darius guys. You talk about a guy who got the most out of every carry as a freshman in 2015, he uh, ran, ran for 436 yards on 51 carries. That's an eye-popping 8.5 yards a tote. I mean, and and that you know, and, and that's behind that's behind you know Leonard Fournette. And we all remember that season that Fournette had in 2015. I mean, you take out the you know, if he wouldn't have had the bad game against Alabama, he would have definitely had a spot in New York. You know, he was the leader for the Heisman Trophy going into that. You know, going into that weekend. And, uh, you know, for guys to do what he did then. But the following year when Fournette battled injuries in 2016, you know, guys led the SEC in rushing with 1,300 yards. He um, led, led the league in rushing touchdowns with 15 and averaged 7.6 yards a carry. You know, so when you when you look when you look at those two when you look at those first two years, eight point five yards a carry as a freshman, seven point six as a sophomore. You come back and you look at you know you look at what he did as a junior, more of the same. You know, led LSU ranked number two in the SEC, averaging one hundred and four yards game, ran for twelve hundred eighty four yards. One of five players in LSU history with back-to-back seasons of a thousand rushing yards and double-digit touchdowns. So you know, there's. I think that you that that there is a definite argument that can be made between Darius Geis and and with Leonard Fournette. For me, the twenty what what pushed Fournette over the top was that unbelievable 2015 season. You know, and if we go back and if we, you know, if we look at Fournette, what Fournette did, he's uh, fifth on the all-time career rushing list with 3,000 yards, excuse me, in three seasons. Started with the freshman rushing record with 1,000 yards in 2014, but that next year, man, I mean, you know, watching him run – was just was just truly special. You know, one of the best rushing seasons in league history, 1,953 yards, 22 touchdowns, tied a school record with 10 games of at least 100 yards, had four games with, with 200 or more yards. Derrick Henry went on to win the Heisman Trophy that year with 2,200 yards, but he also had three more games. And so – you know, and when you put that it when you put that in comparison, I think that really, uh, you know, that that really makes you realize, you know, the type of year that Fournette came, that Fournette had became the fastest player in school history to reach a thousand yards in a season. Consensus first team All America selection as as a sophomore should have been up to New York, but that thirty one yards on nineteen carries against Alabama, you know, that just knocked him out of consideration from there. Disappointing 26 season with the high ankle sprain, um, you know, 
didn't finish out the season, didn't play in the bowl game. But I think when you go back and just when you look at when you when you compare Fournette and when you, when you compare Geis, that 2015 season that I think will will you know is still one of the best in SEC history, not only LSU but SEC history. That just gave him the little bit of the nudge. Yeah, I think you you covered it as as well as uh, we could have. I mean, you can debate like highlights. You can debate uh, obviously like total body of work. But man, when you talk about this 2015 season that Leonard put together in Baton Rouge, it was just unbelievable and uh, will be remembered by many, many, many people for a long, long time. Um, and now both continue. Uh, their NFL careers, Leonard having one of his best, well, his best season probably in the NFL so far in 2019. And Geis is still looking to get healthy and get get on track in the NFL uh, as he enters uh, the 2020 season. But look, Sonny, we've gone on long enough, I think, on this topic. Appreciate everybody listening. Hope everybody has a great weekend, Sonny. Keep uh, keep having those kids get on that schoolwork and, and get it done, and, and they'll be out in the uh, – summer and playing around even more uh soon enough oh man absolutely brother enjoyed it uh it was fun writing this fun even talking about it and uh hey just a reminder to all you all of our listeners out there if you go in and if you give us a rating and a review billy and body's going to send you a check for five dollars <laughs> do they do people still send checks uh, we can talk about venmo Oh man, checks are a 20th century thing. I'm ancient, you know, dude. Like, I'm like checks ancient. are, checks are uh, what the guys uh, on your top 10 list collected. Uh, you probably don't even have a checkbook, do you? I do have a checkbook. I do have a checkbook. Okay. But yeah, I don't, I, it's got a lot of dust on it. So anyway, yeah. But uh, uh, everybody have a great weekend. Uh, Sunny, pop the top for me. Uh, I'll be along soon so we get this edited and online. But uh, really enjoyed it, man. It was a fun one. Same here, brother. Y'all be safe out there. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Hope everyone has a great and safe weekend. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.